Welcome to the ride. Life, Work, and Wealth Podcast with your host, Chris Rowe. Years ago, Chris was a firefighter and a paramedic and witnessed many people not getting another tomorrow, and it shaped who he is now as a financial strategist. Chris doesn't just help people plan for a secure tomorrow, he helps them plan for a better today. Chris lives in Burlington, Ontario, and is an investment advisor at Three Hats Financial, a trade name of Harborfront Wealth Management, an IROC dealer. Let's get to it. It's more important than ever that parents talk to their children about money. A financial education does start at home, and these are skills that can help shape an entire life. Chris DeRoe has kids of his own, and he's offering 10 ways to help you teach your kids how to make better financial decisions. But Chris, you know, this list seems to be pretty applicable to adults, too. Yeah, it can kind of go both ways, uh, ironically enough. Yeah. <laughs> so when the minds are fresh and young and like and uh, like little sponges, we'll just uh, I'm just going to do 10 tips today for kids. <laughs> right. But basically, it's 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 a lot that I've used with my three. So, um, yeah, and of course, I've done quite a bit of reading on that and experience. So hopefully this can help some people out because I know we get asked uh, this a lot. And actually, I remember seeing a poll not too long ago about um, topics that people would like to, to learn more about financially. And this was one of them. So that's kind of where I got the idea. So anyone, as I, as I just mentioned with young children, you know that they're like sponges. And when it comes to learning and information, they're just soaking it up. Like basically, whether parents are showing good or bad examples, the kids, they're, they're taking it all in. And I, I always try to keep this in the back of my head. Even when you think they're just on their iPad or watching TV, at least I know mine have, they're, and you think they're not paying attention, well, many times they are. Uh, and sometimes they hear things you don't want them to hear. So this is also true with money. You just, you want to set a good example and not be afraid to admit to your kids, even if you have made mistakes in the past when it comes to money. So as I mentioned today, I'm just going to go through a couple tips or 10 tips to be exact on that and how to help your children start to develop a healthy money mindset is what I call it. So yeah, so we'll start with number one, discussing the difference between wants versus needs. This, as you touched Patrice, this can go kids or adults. You have to go over what the need, like the, the needs include the basics of life, such as food, your house, shelter, clothing, education, healthcare. Those are all needs, have to have them. Wants are all the extra stuff, such as iPads, cell phones, video <laughs> games, candy, trips, etc. You tell that to the kids. Yes. And well, you can even test them on it and ask them about certain things around the house. I've done this with my kids and ask them, is that a need or a want? And uh, <laughs> you'll see them kind of struggle sometimes <laughs> because yes. certain things are, for a kid are very, very, very important. So they're going to say it's a need, but you kind of just have to educate. And basically, it's just teaching the basics that needs must always be covered before wants. Simple lesson to teach, but as I mentioned, even adults have a tough time with this. And mm -hmm. I always say, if we can teach kids delayed gratification, you're going to hear me say that term a lot, I use it a lot, meaning waiting to, until they have the money saved before they buy the wants, it will help them immensely. And unfortunately, society has shifted from delayed gratification to instant gratification with access to credit via credit cards and the biggest one buying online and just with a click of a button, not even having to think. That 
has changed the way we spend money huge. And I'll touch on that a little bit more. So teaching kids delayed gratification, I'm going to give you some tips a little bit later on. Extremely important. Uh, Okay, so number two, giving them an allowance. So I've, I've mentioned multiple times in my podcast, we have a big household, we have a family of five. And in our household, it's important for everyone to help to help around the house, or it becomes a disaster pretty quick. (laughs) But by also giving them an allowance, it helps them learn about money and how to use it. It also shows them for an exchange in work, like, I'm going to touch on this between tasks and chores, they're being rewarded with income. So let me just touch on that a little bit further. We don't pay our kids to help with the regular household chores, such as putting away dishes, sweeping floors, picking up and cleaning the rooms. We have a weekly schedule that rotates between the three of them. Um, They know it by heart, even though sometimes they try to test us, pretending they don't, because for some reason, nobody ever likes the picking up job. These are household chores. They're part of our everyday family life, and we don't pay them for this. This is to teach them responsibility and the importance of chipping in to help the family and keep our household basically functional and clean. However, we do pay for extra tax to be done, like shoveling the driveway, weeding, raking, leaves, and other things like that. I believe it's important for the kids to kind of distinguish between the two and other people, it doesn't matter. Like if some people want to pay an allowance for every day, that's each their own. I'm just saying what we do Mm -hmm. as an example. The, The most important thing is they need to know that when you work, you get paid. And when you don't, you don't get paid. And I remember when I I used to volunteer for a program called Junior Achievement and they had a dollar for cents program and I would go into the elementary school for the day and it was usually grade sevens and I would just go through a whole bunch of different exercises with them and and go through kind of teaching about savings and money and all of that. And I just remember a couple of the kids that they were sitting there and we're going through, we're touching on the idea of credit cards and these are grade sevens. They're not grade threes or grade fours. And so basically they're, they're 13 years of age and they had no idea that their parents had to go to work to pay off those credit cards. They thought it just came loaded with money, free money, like a gift card. So the exercise I used is I would take the, I would take the time to explain to them that the hours that your parents are away from the, from you working is what pays for the money on the credit card. And you could start to see them processing and the wheels turning since they didn't realize that's how all of that worked. I'm amazed. I'm sorry. I am just really amazed at that. Yeah, so was I. It, it was really interesting. I was learning as much from them as, as they were from me and just their concepts on money. And like, I, I knew it wasn't, wouldn't be great, but I didn't grow up with electronic spending and all of this. So mm-hmm. their, the way they, they, uh, their concept of money and, and that was just very different than how I was as a child. So it was just interesting to be in that environment. Uh, number three, so providing a place for them to save their money. My kids, they have both, they, they have wallets, but a piggy bank would be the same thing. All three of them have wallets and they also have a bank account. So you can go to whatever bank you're with. And usually the kids bank accounts, there's no fees, especially if the parents are there and just get them a, a, a kid's bank account. I like them to have both the wallet slash piggy bank and the bank account because they provide different experiences for purchases and saving. This way they get to use, they get to use both buying items with looks like, because basically they get used to buying items with electronic spending and cash. And why there's benefits of that is like, when we go to the dollar store, 
I just like sitting there watching them count the money in their head at the dollar store and then physically passing it to the cashier. And I feel it's really important for them to do that than just tapping a debit card on the screen. And it's, it's important for kids to understand where the money comes from me. It doesn't just come from mom and dad's wallet. And by using cash, sometimes it's just, it's more tangible. It, this is important when it comes to money, as opposed to just seeing a dollar value or a number on a screen. And I want my kids to experience using cash to purchase some items while they still can, because I feel most likely when they're my age or even probably younger with the way things are going, it's going to be a cashless society if we keep heading in that direction. Chris, the bank account, once they put the money in, do you let them take it out for something big or is this simply to save for something like maybe education? So interesting how you touch on that. I'm going to touch even more on that as well too. But the thing is, I don't, like I thought when I initially opened those bank accounts, it was just going to be bang, 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 bang with, with her tap and go on their debit cards. <laughs> and it's like, they don't, I, I did not tell them that that money can't be touched. And I'm, I'll explain this a little bit later. You have to be willing to let them make mistakes. And they just leave, they have, they have, I think only one of my three has ever even spent the money so far on that debit card. They, they're just keep using the cash they have on hand. It's like, they've forgotten about it. They know it's there. Mm-hmm because my son wants something larger and he's the other day, like they, they know the amount that's there, but they just, they simply just don't go and touch it. And that's just basically what they've done. So they're, they are allowed to go, go, go spend it if they want, but I don't have to really say anything on it. That kind of surprised me. So, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a little bit, but even like when it comes to cash, even with adults, it's just simple. If you want to spend less money, just start paying for everything in cash. And I know that's really inconvenient, but that's also the point. Um, you will just simply spend less because it's tangible. You can count it, you can see it. But yes, definitely inconvenient. But that's also why we spend so much more now than we ever have because it's so convenient and so quick. And that, that this now touches kind of into uh, my point number four there, Patrice, is helping them set up a savings goal. Mm-hmm. So helping kids to define, like you want to help them define a savings goal. It's a great way to get them motivated and to teach them, once again, the delayed gratification. Just like just telling a kid to save their money without a goal is going to seem kind of pointless to them. Uh, they need that carrot at the, to, to aim towards. So help them develop a plan. Don't just have them tell them to save because it's good. Help them develop that plan. Even have a calendar to show them how long it's going to take for them to save up a certain amount to get to that goal. Um, being visual like that or having just a calendar in the kitchen just specifically for their savings and putting the dollar amounts or, or writing on each day or each week, just those little visual exercises help quite a bit. And you can also do this too. If, if you could have two piggy banks or two bank accounts, you can simply have one for savings and one for spending. And this can be one of the first lessons in money management that you do have to st- distinguish the two. That's a great idea. Yeah. And my son, he, he did that when he was, he, when he was about, he was nine, he had saved up uh, just over 700 bucks, which was quite a bit for a nine-year-old because yeah. he really wanted an ATV, a four-wheeler. So he just kept saving and saving all his birthday money and everything he could. And he the, the rule was, I said, I would pay half and you'd have to obviously pay the other half. And he really wanted, even at a young age, I was really surprised the motivation. And uh, he surprised me and saved all that money from just, like I said, his birthdays and paper routes. And, and I'll never forget it was just an awesome experience. I'll never forget the day we were going to go pick it up. We were driving up north to get it. And he was so excited the day had finally come. And it was an hour and a half drive. And just 
the questions he was asking were just neat because I just never would have even thought that those were some of the things that were going through his head. So like one of them was, he's like, so dad, do I just, do I just give him this whole wallet when I buy it? <laughs> and I'm like, nobody, like you, you take the money out, you count it. You always count your money. And when it's physical cash, you count it in front of both parties, people. And then once you do that, you're going to get a receipt and you need to hold on to that receipt because you're buying this motor vehicle that will cut and it's, it's not just a motor vehicle, but many things And it comes with a thing called a warranty. And I explained what a warranty was. And then he's like, well, that's great. I'll just keep breaking it and getting a new one every month. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. But these are just some of the neat things that were just coming up with the discussion to educate them. And then I said, and at the end of it, the best part, you get to keep the wallet. And he's like, really? And I was like, yeah. And, he, and I go, and the, then you got to fill it up again by savings and stuff. And it was just such a great experience to, to do that with him. And I even got a picture of him handing the money over to the guy selling the ATV and shaking his hand for his first big purchase. So <laughs> it was just a, a cool thing to do. But basically, you have to have those goals. It's the same as adults, right? You have to have those goals or the, it's just simply saving money because it's telling them it's good to do is not going to get them very far. Number five, have them track their spending. Now, if they're using a debit card, that's obviously the same with adults. It's much easier because you can just see all the history. Uh, but I do believe it's very important for them to have both the, the physical wallet and bank, uh, piggy bank and the debit card. So they can just get used to, like I said, electronic spending and also the physical touching and counting of money when buying something as well. So for the piggy bank or wallet, they can simply just write down what they spend money on, a little journal or a calendar, and they just simply track that. You're just teaching them like tracking expenditures, and that's a lifelong skill for them and very important for them to understand Where's the money going? It's not a bad list. It's not for someone to, for me to stand over and give an X and a green check mark. I don't do any of that. Very careful how I am with them towards money. I don't want them to think that I'm controlling it or not letting them spend what they want. It's not about that. It, but teaching them just to understand where it's going in that, that is, like I said, an important skill to learn. And many times with my kids, I just will simply ask, now that you bought that candy or video game or whatever, I'll ask them usually a couple of weeks, sometimes even a month if I, depends, depends what it is. And I just simply ask the question, would you buy that again? Hmm. And many times the answer is no, but sometimes it's yes. And I'm not trying to make them say no every time. I just want them to think about it. So I, the thing I do too is Tina, I'll explain, Tina, my wife used to hate when I did this to her, but with the kids, I'll do this a couple of times where when they do go buy something, I'll just say, okay, how many chores or tasks or newspapers, because they have newspaper routes, did you have to deliver to buy that item? And I just get, and it's not to scold them once again, it's just to make them think that they had to do X amount of delivering papers and getting tips and all that to buy that item. And that really tends to put a perspective on it for them, just to make them aware and understand that yeah it's you you're working for your money so do you feel that's appropriate amount of value buying that just simple lesson so when i first started dating tina i would we were talking about money and stuff and i would do that little thing with her and she used to hate it i'd be like okay you had to work how many hours to buy that and oh she hated it. she i'm surprised she even stayed with me but i just remember when we were young and didn't have much money i would do that to her because see as we mentioned before it all works with adults too <laughs> right right Number six, uh, let them make mistakes. I've kind of already touched on this throughout today's 
podcast, but I'll just touch on it again. It's you want them to learn from this and make some mistakes with their money. And you want them to feel the emotion of impulse buying versus delayed gratification. So they can feel what that difference is and the, and what it feels like the accomplishment of save of, of, of a savings goal, such as when my son was able to go buy that ATV, like that, his face and how excited he was compared to him buying a, a regular video game. It was a huge difference, but it is important that you have to give them room here to make mistakes and not by no means control all the money. Many times at the dollar store, I, I mentioned that because they they love going there. Uh, it's like a it's just like a gold mine for kids, right? Because obviously everything's a buck. Who doesn't like going there? Okay. Yeah, so it's just like I said, a gold mine for them. <laughs> and many so when they we go there, I really don't say much. I just stand back and they run up and down the aisles, and I try to keep track of all three of them. And I just will just sit there, and you'll watch them. They'll go back back and forth trying to figure out what they want to buy. They check out the price and then they go, they count their money in the aisle and then they'll go to the cash and they start to count money for the cashier. I, anyone that stands behind kids doing this, um, thank you for any, especially anyone that's ever been behind my kids because it does take them some time to figure it out. So I do appreciate the patience because it's not quick. And um, many times I don't have to, I just sit there and they start going through it. And then I've watched a couple of times they're like, oh, hold on. And they run back and they go grab something cheaper and they, just, they decide not to buy it all yeah. without me saying a word. And that's just absolutely priceless, priceless to watch that and then figure it out and go on their own. Nice. Seven, uh, bringing them in on family budget talks. So my wife and Tina, we've always been very open with money and talking about it with our kids. We've never, ever had a problem telling them how much something costs or explain them with our, like when, when we were young and had debt what we made, all that stuff. It's just kind of an open book when it comes to that stuff. And I, I remember I read not too long ago, in 2021, Roe Price did a survey and it said 41% of parents don't like to talk with kids about money. And a lot of these parents even expressed embarrassment about bringing up the topic. They just wanted to avoid it. I can think of other topics I want to avoid talking about with my kids, but... <laughs> I'll leave that one for Tina, but the money part, no, it's, uh, we've always been very open with that. And it's just so important to talk about money and budgeting with kids to help them learn like these talks, they should be casual. And many times our conversations, they're at the dinner, dinner table or they're in the car on the way to taking the kids, their sports. And Tina and I will just talk among ourselves many times, confirming if a bill's paid or if we've sent everything to the accountant Last year, we were potentially planning on moving. We're not, but we were going to the costs associated with that. And my our oldest daughter, she just, she, even though she was on the couch in the other room, her ears were perking up and she'd come back 20 minutes later and ask a question. And the other day we were just talking about what we owed for taxes because it was recently tax time and all that. And my, my daughter, she just came and just asked, she goes, I got a question. How are doctors and nurses get paid when we get sick? Like when we go to the, ho go to the hospital and she's like, well, who pays for my classroom? Just Good for her. Yeah. I was a little surprised when she, it just, we were just talking about taxes and this, and I don't know, she must've heard that somewhere because it just sparked her interest. And that's when she came and started asking that. And it was all great questions. It led to more questions that never would have came up if she didn't hear us kind of talking about those things. And uh, yeah, so we've had these conversations of family since, the goal is simply just to get comfortable talking about money as a family with no stigma or stress around it. 
okay, eight, encouraging them to get a job early. So I'm a true believer that the earlier kids get a job, the better. Uh, some people might disagree, but I just go on from my own experience. I had a job very, very early. I started at six or seven now, I would, just delivering the papers, well, mostly my parents delivering it, but me tagging along <laughs> uh, on Sunday mornings. And, uh, I, and I just never not had one. And I just know that some of the most successful entrepreneurs I've ever met have all started working at very young ages. And now I'm not saying you can't be successful unless you start working young. I'm just going by my own experiences and noticing it has been a very common trait that I've noticed and just wanted to point that out. It just because it starts to help the kids develop a healthy money mindset from an early age. And it teaches them responsibility and just simply good work ethic. It's good for them to understand that the money they make when they work is theirs and they can use it how they wish. And as I mentioned, like I'm not talking about child labor here and getting them to work 25 hours a week at 10 years old. It's, as I mentioned, it'd be as simple as a paper route they do once a week that takes them 40 minutes. And that's what all my kids have right now is just, they just deliver it every Thursday evening. And then they go over the tips and they figure out how much tips they have versus the time they put in for the month and they figure out what they got paid and was it worth it or not. And then I kind of explain once again that there's this little thing called tax. It's a lifetime bill you're going to have to pay. But right now, because your kids and getting cash for tips, it's tax free. And just explain that to them. And my oldest daughter too, she's she's 13 now. She's always had a, a, a job babysitting, paper routes, all that. And uh, now that she's getting a bit older, she's starting to want more money because the things that she wants are more expensive, iPhones and all that stuff. So now it's been, I was just, we were just, just talking about this the other week, that if you put in effort into learning a skill set by doing a course or education, because she's getting to that age where she can do these courses, babysitters courses and things like that, that she's already done, that if you do those courses or education first, such as like her lifeguard credentials, and that's the one we, that we're, we're aiming towards, it can be a great job. So the environment you work in is, hey, you're by pools and a beach, you get paid well. It's a good skill set to have. And it starts to build up a resume. And then that led us into questions about what a resume is. And all these conversations that we just want to have with our kids to help them learn. I said, or you can choose not to do a course or education beforehand and apply for a job right away. Um, there's all kinds of things you can do, shoveling dirt or whatever. Um, there's people around the community that need help and you can, do, you can choose to do that right away. Now, it might not pay as much. It might be tougher work and it might not be the environment you want. So it's just trying to, kind of explain those two different routes so she starts to get the idea so needless to say she's starting that lifeguard course and uh now that she sees that she can do that and what they potentially get paid or she, now she's saving for a car <laughs> nice nice yeah. okay number nine paying bills online so many of us nowadays we pay bills all online so instead of us not thinking and just quickly doing this from our phone or ipad why not take a second to show your child what you're doing and even have them type in the correct number to help? Uh, I've mentioned a few times, most things are digital when it comes to money and less tangible. So if you can give your child a chance to hit some buttons and see that and help them pay a bill, it's a good exercise. And they're going to eventually have to do it themselves anyways. And I remember when we were doing this a while ago, my son was just blown away when we paid the water bill. He just couldn't. I mean, he was talking like, like even like an hour later, dad, I'm sorry. I got to ask you again. Like you seriously have to pay for the water, the water that comes in the house, you pay for that. But I'm like, yes. 
And he, he just, he couldn't process that we had to pay for water. But when we saw the the water bill. Tell him about paying for electricity. Yeah. Well, it led into all of that, but, and the electricity, he was like, oh, okay. But it just, for some reason, the water, I think it's because he just sees a lake. He sees a river, like he sees water. And he's like, I don't understand how you have to pay for that to come in the house. Right. Anyways, to see things through children's eyes, uh, total different (laughs) perception. So um, last one, setting a good example. Children, they're constantly observing and absorbing our behavior. And if you're spending above your means or stressing about money, they're likely going to pick up on that. And that's, that's your, even if you're not mean to teach them, you are teaching them about money. They're, they're, they're watching that. So whatever feelings you project on the money, your kids are just going to simply observe it, whether you want them to or not. And the kids, they'll witness this and see how you handle their money or handle your money, sorry. And potentially their actions will mirror that. So if you're always stressed about money, they'll most likely grow up to maybe be that way. Or on the flip side, if you see, if they see you're constantly spending above your means, they will just think that this is normal spending, not saving and buying on impulse without thinking it through. So kids, they're all, are only with, basically, I always say this, and it, it, no parent likes to hear it, but kids, like really, when you, you take your time frame, you're really not with your parents a, a ton of your, your, your lifetime. It's such a small amount of time when you actually think about it. And because of that, as a parent or a grandparent or guardian, you want to try and lead by example on that when it comes to money and that it just, it will help them. You're just setting them up to win. Simple as that. And that's pretty much it. That's the 10 tips. So I'll just finish off here. And uh, one thing I will add is I hear all the time as financial advisor, as a financial advisor that, that we should be, that not us, but they should be teaching personal finance more in the schools. Unfortunately, when I was a kid, there was none of that. And that maybe helps that us understand why so many adults were maybe not in the position they thought they'd be at a certain age. But the good news is they're starting to implement more personal finance education school. Now, it's not the level that I would like to see it, but at least it's there. It's starting. It'll only get better. Therefore, as a parent, it's not at that level yet. So it's just very important to help teach your kids about money. And they will need more help with this than we did because of all the electronic spending, tap and go, PayPal, PayPass, all that stuff, e-transfers. It's a very different environment. They're going to need more help than we did. And we're now able to spend money so much quicker without, without even thinking. So basically, by doing that, we just want to make sure that we can provide them as much education as we can while they're with us to just set them up. So hopefully you take the time to talk to your kids about money and Hopefully today there was a couple of tips that can help start some of these conversations. And Chris, how can listeners reach you if they've got some questions? As always, just to the website, threehatsfinancial.ca. All right. For more financial insights, follow this podcast, The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth. And of course, share with others, especially parents that you know. Thank you for listening to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. 
Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.